He now brings peace. Where there was separation, he brings union. Where there was death, he brings life. But the mind-blowing thing of it all, because of that blood, because of that cross, because of that resurrection, we now stand holy, spotless, blameless, without reproach and accusation in the sight of God. Because of our King. been working through this Advent season, the gifts of the King, and the ultimate gift of the King is the King Himself. And the Gospels are all about revealing that Jesus Christ is King over all creation. For over a thousand years, the Jewish people have lived under the rulers of tyrants and, and held on to this hope that God would send a king, that he would send a Messiah, a king to deliver his people. They were looking for a political, a military leader to overthrow the tyrants that they had lived under and once again deliver them. A hundred years before Jesus is born, Julius Caesar, after a great conquest, will march his army from the frontier of Rome into the city and establish himself as the ruler and the authority over the Roman Empire. There were traditionalists in Rome who wanted the Roman Empire to remain a republic. They didn't want a king. They didn't want a Caesar. But Julius wanted to be that, and so they ended up assassinating him. And the country went into a long and bloody civil war. It would be Caesar's adopted son, Octavian, who would emerge victorious and he would take on the title Augustus, which means the majestic one, the one worthy of honor. And he declared that his father Julius was divine and he said that he was the son of God. Their mantra throughout the Roman Empire becomes Caesar is Lord. And it is into this atmosphere in the backside of the Roman Empire that an angel appears to a peasant teenage girl named Mary and declares that she will have a son and he will be called the Most High and he will inherit the throne of his father David and the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Perhaps no one understands the implication of the question that the wise men will ask when they show up at Herod's doorstep better than he. When they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Herod claimed to be king of the Jews. He was the governor of Judea, a puppet of Rome, and that was his claim to fame. And so when they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, he realized this birth could be the beginning of a revolution, a new king with a new kingdom that was a threat to him and everything that he knew. 
Jesus will begin His ministry with one simple message. The kingdom of heaven is near. This message is trumpeted throughout the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven, literally God's sovereign rule on the earth has begun. He sends out the 12 disciples with this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Later on, he sends out 72 followers and he gives them this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. When he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. It was as much a political statement as it was a spiritual confession. Jesus' opponents did not miss his claim to be a king. They didn't miss his kingdom message. It's throughout his sovereign rule on earth began. He rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a colt as a king. He stands in front of Pilate and Pilate asks him, are you a king? And Jesus tells him that my kingdom is not of this earth. And when they crucify him, the charge that they bring against him is treason. That he claims to be a king and Pilate will order a sign to be hung over his head and he wants it in three languages so nobody can miss the charge king of the Jews we often think of God's kingdom as something that is yet to come that we somehow live in limbo between God's kingdom as that he came at Christmas and yet the second coming when the kingdom of God really is revealed but The whole Christmas story is about a king that has been born. God's sovereign rule on the earth has been initiated. We miss the definite message of the Gospels, the meaning of Christmas, that the king has come. God's sovereign rule on this earth has begun. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and there are a couple of things clear when you read through this little letter and, and that are happening in the church. First of all, the, the Colossian church had become distracted from Jesus. They had a lot of other things going on, and Jesus was one of the things that was going on in the church, but he was not the thing in the church. And that's the second thing you notice is that they, they've let other things become their obsession. They have lost touch with their king. They have forgotten the supreme supremacy of Jesus. They no longer live under his sovereignty. And Paul believes what the church needs is a new revelation of who their king is, of who it is that has come and died for them, who it is that they worship. They need to see once again the fullness of Jesus. Undoubtedly, he believes that that will convict them, that they're walking in contradiction to their new nature. So Paul strives to give them this vision of Jesus Christ, the King, the glorious one, high, exalted, and lifted up. He believes that if they see the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that it will transform who they are. Now at Christmas, we, we tend to treat baby Jesus like we do all other babies. We ooh and ah over them, but our goal is to keep them quiet and in place. We don't want them loud. We don't want them drawing attention. 
We just, you know, like, that's cute, that's good. But even as a parent, sometimes you're in situations where, you know, your goal is to keep them quiet, keep them in their place, keep them satisfied, to keep them pacified. And a lot of times that's how we treat baby Jesus. We like baby Jesus in the manger. We like the peace and the tranquility of Christmas and that Christmas night. But the whole point of the New Testament is you cannot pacify Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God who will be transformed into the Lion of Judah. He is not a king. He is the king of all kings. And so Paul begins to describe who he is, that this is the one we worship. John will have this vision in Revelation, and he sees Jesus dressed in a robe stretching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest, and his head were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes are blazing like fire, and his feet are bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice is like the sound of a rushing water. In his right hand, he holds seven stars and out of his mouth comes a sharp double-edged sword. His face is like the sun shining in all of his brilliance and John sees him and falls at his feet as dead and, and Jesus speaks to him and says, do not be afraid for I am the first and the last. I was living, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. I am the alpha, the omega and I hold the keys of death and Hades. He is the king of kings. The problem Paul saw in the church was that Jesus had become too small. They had tried to pacify him. If you don't understand who Jesus is, other things become your obsession. Other things become your pursuit. They become your priority. But Paul is obsessed with Jesus Christ. He says, you don't realize who this is. He is the king of all creation. He will say in Philippians that, that whatever were gains to me, I now consider it all a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of this surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. He says, look, I know who Christ is. And He is the King of all creation. And everything else in life that I used to think was a pursuit, that I used to be obsessed with, once I realized who Jesus is, all of that is garbage. All of that is rubbish compared to knowing the matchless grace and love of the King of all kings, my Lord Jesus Christ. It's all garbage. It's all empty. Paul sees Jesus as the very embodiment of divine fullness. As Jesus would say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So, so Paul tells us who Jesus is. This babe born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes that we try to keep pacified and laying there. Paul says, this is your king. You can't leave him in the manger. And so Paul writes to the church at Colossae. And he reminds them in the verse 15 that... He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
Your king is present tense. He is here right now, the visible image of an invisible God. Jesus Christ displays God's image visibly in the invisible realm where all he is seated in his heavenly glory and all of heaven even right now is worshiping him. But even more than that, he says, if you want to know what God is like, he is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of God, the father. This is earth shaking for them because if you remember in the Old Testament, there was no image of God. They, they had nothing to worship. They, in the Holy of Holies, there was an ark, but there was nothing that, that was the image of God. They couldn't make anything in the image of God. So Paul says God finally has revealed his image, and it is Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of God the Father. To know Jesus Christ is to discover God in his totality. To know the suffering servant is to know the Almighty, one true creator, who was and is and is to come. Paul says your king is the firstborn over all creation, the first person to appear. He is preeminent in all. All things visible and invisible were created by him and through him and to him and for him. He is the originator as well as the goal, the creator as well as the consummator. He does it all. Paul goes on and says, your king has existed before time. He is the eternal son of God. He is above time. He is outside of time. He is the beginning. In fact, he was before the beginning. He lives in the realm where there is no ticking clock or no watch. Space and time are his servants. He is unbound by them. The king is not only before all things, but the entire universe is held together by him and through him. He is the cohesive force, the glue, the gravitational pull that holds everything together. The hinge on which it all turns. Remove Jesus and all of creation disintegrates. He is the king above all kings. Paul says your king is the very meaning of creation. If you take him out, there is no purpose in anything. Remove him and every living thing loses its purpose, its meaning. But more than all of this, the one who created the universe, the king of all kings, watches as it falls. There is this revolt in heaven and on earth. And under the king of kings, his caring eye all of creation morphs into a distant enemy, his enemy. They choose another king. They want to be king themselves. We want to be king. That's the temptation that comes to Adam and Eve. Eat from this tree and you will be like God. You can be king. You can be sovereign. You can be in control. And all of our lives, we make decisions with us being on the throne. We want to be in control. We want to be the king. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. God sees all of creation fall apart. But this king steps through space 
and time to become the incarnate Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He will be touched with the same temptations that we are touched with. He will feel the same infirmities, know the same weakness. He will be human like we are human. He will get tired like we get tired. He will get hungry like we get hungry. He will weep like we weep. He will laugh like we laugh. He will take on our fleshly mortal body. He will leave the glory of heaven and the glory of creation and step down onto this earth and be one of us to reconcile us back to himself. The creator becomes the creature to make peace. He does it on a cross outside of Jerusalem where He will spill His blood. He will be slaughtered. And by His horrible death, the Lamb of God will reconcile this fallen world to Himself. The incarnate Son becomes sin and corruption. Every foul, evil, dark, hideous trace of the fall is laid on Him. Everything you've ever done wrong, everything that you've ever thought, any evil, any sin, all of it is laid on Him. And I don't understand it, but somehow God in the flesh, the incarnate Jesus Christ, the fullness of God on the cross becomes sin. He becomes sin incarnate, the fullness of all of our sinfulness, all of our fall, and He dies that death for us. But that's not the end of our King. Because as the old creation goes away, three days later, our king steps out of the grave, resurrected. A new king with a new creation of which we are a part. So where there was hostility, he now brings peace. Where there was separation, He brings union. Where there was death, He brings life. But the mind-blowing thing of it all, because of that blood, because of that cross, because of that resurrection, we now stand holy, spotless, blameless, without reproach and accusation in the sight of God. Because of our King. He is the King of all kings. He will triumph over our greatest enemy, sin and death. He, he conquers its power, extinguishes its sting, and, and dismantled the fear that was attached to it. Jesus Christ passes through death and, and comes out in resurrection. And, and, and the resurrection, He takes off the chains, no longer bound by time and space. He becomes a life-giving spirit. Paul says the firstborn among many who will come after Him, all of whom will be raised from the dead. This glorious King defeats death, the 
grave, the curse, the entire world system. He defeated sin, Satan, and all condemnation. He slews our our shame. He conquers our guilt. He, He shares his everlasting victory and triumph with you. Here is a king so grand and glorious that he is beyond our comprehension. All things are in him. All things are through him. All things are for him. And he has been given the first place in everything. This is your king. He's not just some cute little baby quiet in a manger. He is the king of all kings, the firstborn of all creation. He is Lord over the church and he rules over this chaotic world. And his name is Jesus Christ, the king of all kings. We've sung it all Advent season, praise to the Father. Praise to the Son, praise to the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Thank you for joining us today on Shady Grove Radio. I'm Dan Loggins, and if you have any questions about anything you heard on Shady Grove Radio today, send me an email, dan at shadygroveradio.com. Dan at shadygroveradio.com.